step right up, it's nailed. A Halo by Halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And this is Halo 17 and All That Could Have Been Part 2, the DVD concert movie. Man, damn it. Oscar fucked it up. Concert movie. <laughs> so what does that entail, Jessica? What are we talking about? So we are going to be talking about... A little bit more about the Fragility Tour, like about Trent's plans and vision for it. But a lot of it's going to be like production, a little bit about art, um, and then just kind of our thoughts about the DVD, the actual visuals right. and stuff. Because we did watch it basically twice in a row. Mm -hmm. The second time might have been on 1.5 speed. <laughs> Some of it was on <laughs> 1.5, which we discovered was very, very funny. Very, very entertaining. Very TikTokable. Before... We dive into that. Do we have any Nine Inch News? So everything is in the news today. I have real quick Nine Inch News, just very briefly so that we have plenty of time to talk about the DVD. Mm -hmm. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did a reimagining of a Pucifer track, Apocalyptical, not a remix, a reimagining. Mm -hmm. And it's like 11 fucking minutes long. <laughs> but as I was listening... It's kind of like a 12-inch dance mix almost. Mm -hmm. Long form, put it in the club. I think it could be a good, good, uh, nice to vibe out to if you got 12 minutes to, uh, to vibe or clean the house or whatever you want to do. But I think that's all. That's it's cool. It. Go check it out. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on, I just want to talk about some things that Reznor discussed to various magazines about what he wanted Fragility to be. And I guess you could say this is really the first of the high-tech tours that they would become more known for with their later touring, wouldn't you say? Right, fancy light trickery screen stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of stuff on screens. And then that they kind of stopped doing that, but that's... That's way later. Lots of interesting lighting. I mean, right. things like that, that other bands weren't necessarily doing as often or uh, putting a lot of thought behind, maybe. This. And he also involves himself basically in every facet, whereas other, I mean, I'm sure there are other artists who are this, you know, into it as well. But I think most of the time, like artists would probably just let their production team handle it and not right. necessarily get as hands-on. Yeah. But he once said that everything in Nine Inch Nails is very precious. He wants to keep it that way. And so I think that being involved in every aspect helps him maintain control of like the image and what he wants to project. And control freak, you know? Yeah. It's just what he is. Look, I'm a Taurus, and if there's something someone yeah. wants me to do and I don't want to do it, I ain't going to do it. She so you better let me be involved. Very <laughs> stubborn, I can attest. <laughs> So Reznor told Kerrang just about what he kind of wanted the, the show to kind of, why he put a lot of thought into the show, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And he said, I don't want to do the standard rock band in a hockey arena show. I want to up the par a little bit. I think our stage show has a lot of thought put into it. It's not like a corn or Rob Zombie show where they just go into the prop cupboard, <laughs> cupboard and pull out <laughs> as much shit as they can. You can tell he was a theater kid. <laughs> I hope when people see our shows, they go, fuck, that was smarter than that corn tour I saw, <laughs> but not in a pretentious way. It kicked ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on our previous tour, the audience was our enemy, but this time around, we're best friends with the audience at the end of shows. Everyone's connected. Did you get the vibe that the audience was the enemy at all? Was he referring to uh, self-destruct tour, the audience was the enemy? Yes. Yeah, I was wondering what he meant by that. Just that they were, seemed very hostile toward just as part of the act. 
host- openly hostile toward the audience. I would say so. Yeah. That kind of tracks, sure. Yeah. I mean, the audience was pretty uh, ag- aggressive as well. Yeah. Um, just a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to describe those shows? Chaotic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Far, this was much more controlled chaos with fragility. I would say in some ways, yes. TDS was more out of control chaos. And then like previous stuff, like Pretty Hate Machine Tour, uh, just uh, like lo-fi, unprofessional chaos. Yeah. So in January of 2000, he was talking to Alyssa Blake from Rolling Stone, Australia. And so at this point, they've been doing Fragility 1.0. They haven't started 2.0 yet. Mm -hmm. So they've done like their European and Japan and um, some Australian dates, you know. And so Reznor said, so we were preparing for the Europe, Japan, Australian tour. We knew that the format would be a little greatest hits package oriented. It wasn't going to be all focused on the album. It's going to be very well-rounded from our whole career. Our whole, well, 10-year career at that <laughs> yeah. point. I think in hindsight, that was a good move for us because we got to Europe and we're getting back into the groove of things and how things were. The plan now is as soon as we finish with Big Day Out and go back to the States and go into production rehearsals for three weeks of an entirely different show that is in the States and is pretty large in terms of length. It's an arena tour. My hope is for it to be a lot more album-oriented and to get people a chance to get more familiar with the new record and a bit more experimental. I think that the show we're doing now is a little bit on the safe side, or it's Mm. on the what-you-might-expect side. So I want to challenge people through a variety of what we're playing, how we're presenting it, and the production and presentation I'm very involved in. Some of the things weren't so safe, like trying things out like No You Don't that they decided didn't work and then scrapped and into the void as well. So she asked him if he's got it all planned out, referring to the uh, American leg of the tour. And he said, no, it's not all planned out. There's some vague ideas. We've got a new lighting director who was Pink Floyd's lighting designer. Oh, excellent. And mm-hmm. needed more lasers, but mm-hmm. that explains some things. <laughs> yeah. And we've had several meetings in terms of what he's presented in terms of material. On the first Nine Inch Nails tour, we just had white lights sitting on the floor behind us, and you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see what we looked like, and it added a kind of confrontation to the show. True. Audiences in the enemy. <laughs> and that's what the show was all about. At one point, there was almost a cage in front of us. It was all about trying to present a rock band in a slightly different way, or trying to have the production provide a different framework for the music. Okay. So uh, Rolling Stone in April wrote a little write-up that was a preview of the tour, and Reznor... They're talking about how he's involved with every aspect of planning the tour, which is what you might expect from someone who took, uh, what, two, three years <laughs> to record his his album? Right. Yeah. Perfectionist. Exactly. In the studio, I'm in fine art mode. I do purely what appeals to me and don't try to cater to an audience. In a live situation, I put myself in the seat of the fans. So that's interesting. Like when I'm recording, I don't care what anyone thinks. But- I mean, yeah, because they're... They're paying good money and they're showing up, hey, which is a lot. $25 on a CD was not I cheap. I know, but it's just, it's easier to listen to a record. It's I mean, he still mu- wants to make a good record, but. I know. Studio's a different mode. I don't know. So they talk a little bit about working with Mark Brickman, who was the Pink Floyd lighting designer. And Reznor said, we're trying something never done before using LCD monitors as lights rather than image projectors. There's a good level of being unsure of what we're about to do. If I felt too confident, I'd be playing it safe. He says that about a lot of things. Um, he warns the magazine not to take the Pink Floyd parallel too far, though. It's not so much of a narrative theme as something like the wall. They're not building any walls. <laughs> <laughs> the similarities are more in terms of pacing and climaxes, peaks and valleys, moments of restraint leading up to bigger moments of assault. Assault's a good way of putting uh, 
Yeah, the the restraint of the middle section followed by the assault of wish immediately after. Yes. Sure. Or even the assault of gave up right before you right. go into it's two yeah. uh, broken, violent bangers. Yeah, I love how some of the most beautiful moments on the fragile are surrounded right. They're by sandwiched some of the, yeah. by the, uh, yeah, the angry songs. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to read uh, some of his thoughts about why he was planning the tour out the way he was and why he wants to be so heavily involved in it and then just like his plans for it. And so we can talk about that and see if it kind of lived up to what he was wanting to promote the tour. One of the things they did was there was an MTV two special and this special was pretty cool. I watched it for the first time recently. You watched it today, right? Yeah. I remember, I think I watched it when it was new. Yeah. I just didn't have much memory of it. Yeah. So this features um, music videos from Nine Inch Nails and from A Perfect Circle, since they were the opening group. I think there was only one video from them, though. Yeah. Yeah. They showed the Judith video. Yeah. There were uh, clips from Fragility uh, 1.0. Right, where they have, speaking of building walls, they do have like the big scrim or curtain in front of them Mm -hmm. for (laughs) like half of the somewhat damaged, which they were starting with, and then they eventually pull it away. Yeah. Um, there are clips from sound checks, and yeah. uh, there's also like brief interviews with um, Reznor and the band members. And some of those are pretty good. So uh, Blake kind of made a short little list of items that he wanted to play, just little highlights from that special. This isn't necessarily about the Fragility Tour, but it was in this MTV2 special, and I really like this clip. If you go to one hour, 12 minutes, 30 seconds. When I was growing up, I put aluminum foil on my tennis shoes and dressed up like Gene Simmons and marched in the Halloween parade, you know? But, and when, when I come in contact with fans, I keep in mind, most of the people that I was in awe of, I've met, and most of them suck. <laughs> or they let you down somehow. I don't know what, not all of them, but you know, for every David Bowie, there's 50 of the other kind, you know, that um, you go, oh, that's not really, ugh, you know. Don't meet your heroes. <laughs> that's why Trent will never be on this podcast. I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, it's not that he said no. <laughs> he ne- it's not that he never said anything because he never talked to us. That's right. Um, okay, go to an hour 30. I, I really like this is uh, a wise observation from Trent. And that's just a great screech. <laughs> I don't talk much about my private life. Not that I have one, but if I did have one, I wouldn't say much about it. Because it's kind of seeing behind the curtain, you know, you see it's Wizard of Oz and you see a little guy mooking, you know, working the machinery back there. It's not, I have a, a I think a per- fairly well-rounded grasp on the reality of where I'm at, you know, and sometimes I read stuff about myself and I think, oh my God, you know, and I have to call my grandpa and say, look, it's not really true, you know, it's a, um, but there's something cool about the mystique and, and the manipulation through the media and things like that. I love that he compared himself to the little guy behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. I think he's made that comparison a couple of times before. Is it something to do with his height? <laughs> no. Um, I don't, I can't even remember if that guy was short or not, but he did say little. Well, I mean, compared to the giant head. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Image that was projected. But yeah, there's a reason for him not being a huge 
outspoken public figure, you know, not putting his life on a reality show. There, there's, there's a method to it. Um, at an hour 37, there's something very relevant to the tour. Okay. And just, I really, I really like this. This hit me right in the heart. Okay. And then there's something immediately followed by something really funny. Do I look nervous? Not really. How much time do you have? Um, He's acting I, jittery. Oh, yeah, I do. I mean, once we get rolling a bit more, I'm, I'm not as nervous. But the first few shows of this tour, I was I was close to throwing up right before we went on. Like, just that feeling like, I think I might vomit right now. I had that same feeling uh, when we did the MTV Awards. Because we, we had in-ear monitors, which I never use or will use again. And it, that's like having Lie. a fishbowl over your head. Plus, we're behind a screen that you can kind of see through, and you can't hear what anyone's saying. And then someone goes, that's Johnny Depp on stage. He's introducing you. Ready? And I thought, I got to lose my collar. I'm going to vomit right now. So, But I didn't, luckily. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome British Nine Inch Nails. I kind of like what Reznor doesn't maybe remember or has maybe forgotten is that Fans get nervous before shows too. <laughs> have nah. you never been? I I, been, I do. No, I do. I have. I don't know if it's like my social anxiety or if I just get so yeah. excited that I work myself up into like this. I feel like right I before there are big shows like before well, I Phoebe, mean, I felt nauseous. It's before, such, well, that was our first pandemic outing. Yeah, we so there, Phoebe, there was that so whole there layer was, to it. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of the most exciting things a human could do. So you, it gets the heart rate going. You know, it's normal. Yeah. But I just want to say your fans are also out there. Feel Some of them are feeling kind of nauseous and like they might throw up also just because they're so excited. It's a different, it's, it's just two different sides. You know what I mean? Like of the same. And non-anxious people don't. They are probably at feeling amazing. But I don't know. Us, for us anxious people, that really spoke to me. I wanted, I wanted to give them a hug and I'm not <laughs> normally like that. Yeah. Like I sometimes feel like I'm going to vomit if I have to. Talk to people at work. <laughs> I mean, I, if I have to email someone I've never emailed before, I'm like, yeah. oh, dear Christ, how do I do this? But I hate like, it. Oh, he seems, you know, so very cool and collected. Yeah. Um, but He's also human. It's, we're all just an yeah. act. Yeah. And the, the MTV, the live show, that must have been horrifying, especially the... That was the on, only the second time they'd ever performed on TV live. You mean other than Dance Party USA? Yes. All that, yeah. And that wasn't <laughs> really performing, but still... Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, the, I don't count like mudstock. I guess I could, but. And then the comment, I'll never use in-ear in ear monitors again. Very funny, obviously, because yeah. now it, well, it's the industry standard and it's just yeah. the way they do it now. But uh, just real quick, back to what I was saying though, about feeling yeah. excited and making yourself sick. My niece did the same thing oh, right really? before her first concert. And she's not an anxious kid at all. No. I mean, she probably well, has kid, the normal amount of nervousness, but. Kids don't really get anxiety like adults do either. They get anxiety, but hopefully they've been not exposed to the existential <laughs> horribleness of the world yet that will contribute to uh, their crippling anxiety as an adult. But anyway, she was just like in the car, like saying, "Like, oh my god, I think I'm gonna hurl." Oh, because <laughs> she was just—it was her first concert. Yeah, and she was so excited, I mean, and she's like, "I'm gonna be in the same room as Brandon Flowers." <laughs> yeah, That's insane. And I remember feeling the same way, like the first time I saw my first concert, Bush, because I was in love with Gavin Rossdale. And yeah, like my best friend Eric and I were just like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna vomit." That'll that'll <laughs> raise the anxiety being in the presence of whoever your fangirl crushes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've always, but I always get very excited, but and which makes me want to throw up before concerts. 
almost almost every concert. There are concerts I've been to that I don't really care about, but um, yeah, I just it's because we don't I don't go to a ton of shows because we don't live in an area anyway. Like where a lot of bands come to Springfield anymore. Yeah. So going to shows is always a big deal. So it's always an artist that I like really, really, really like. It's not going to be someone I'm just like, eh, they're in town. I'll go check them out. If you you do one every weekend, it probably doesn't phase you at all. Yeah. But for us, you know, Midwestern hayseeds. (laughs) uh, As chillbillies of the bros (laughs) We don't, uh, we we don't get a lot of big acts in this here town. (laughs) Do you have any more clips you want to share? Nope, that was my last one. Okay, I'll go ahead and do mine so I don't forget them. Okay. So this is very early in the tour, and I think it's just Trent talking about starting the North American yeah. tour. Right now we're, we're at the first phase of the U.S. tour, and it's some, even though we've been on tour for a long time, well, not a long time, but several months, you know, going to Europe and everywhere else, it seems like this is like the real tour has started. My feeling on stage has gone from being terror wondering if, um, not so much if we're going to play well, because we, we know what we're doing, but wondering if something's going to fall on our heads or if uh, screens. Horrible heavy screens. video quits working. And now it's been kind of a feeling of confidence. Like, I can't wait to show, these, show you, the audience, what we've got in store. And then the next clip I picked is, I wrote Trent on the first day of tour in Barcelona and what to expect. I'm guessing what to expect for um, this tour. Touring has been really the only, the, I think the main way that anyone's ever found out about Nine Inch Nails. And I think through touring, we've been able to get the message out and we didn't have to rely on radio or videos to get people to know that we exist. And in the Pretty Hate Machine era, the first album, we toured around the States like seven times in a van. And I'd find that every time we'd come back, I'd usually see those pe- same people would, and their friends would come, and it just kept kind of growing. Charlie Clouser, I wrote on Trent's signature stage moves. Ah, yes. Is this the, uh, the rodeo round? I think so. I can't remember. But let's see. It's the gang. It's the, the boys talking. Trent has this move he does where people get wrapped up in microphone cords and yanked off of their feet. We like to call that rodeo roundup. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't happen... Kind of sit there wondering why isn't why is no one lying on their back tangled up in cables getting dragged across the stage because that usually is indicative that he's having a good show and that we know there's nothing nothing wrong i got um three stitches here take it off my guitar does robin it's too fast i heard like six songs into the set robin robin's head's bleeding did i do it no he did it himself okay <laughs> you can't really see it anymore. It's been a couple of months, but I got three stitches here and a bunch of scratches here. All my scars are on the inside. We'll take him, put him in a unit, and take him out there. It's Jerome. All right. He probably yeah. had a mic stand hurled at his head. He's yeah. just holding a bag of ice on it. I wrote that down too. <laughs> ice pack on the head. With EMTs are there. They don't say what happened to him, Mm-mm. but. I assume because ice pack on the head, he had took a mic stand base to the head uh, from from Trent. You never know. I like how Charlie's like, I've never, I've never been injured on stage. I'm up on, on my own little uh, world on yeah, the, my riser. Is, right? No one can touch me, but okay. uh, inner wounds. <laughs> Just on the inside, man. All right. So uh, I wrote the dudes on funny things that have happened during the tour so far. Other than injuries. Yes. I love how we picked totally different clips for this out of what we wanted to share. They also show a clip of them playing Get Down, Make Love in the 
Pretty Hate Machine era, and Trent basically looks like he's trying to kill Richard Patrick. Like <laughs> this is a really cool special. Ass. I mean, you could just fast forward through the music yeah. videos, unless you want to rewatch them. I well, mean, yeah, I get yeah. it. Because it is about two hours long, I think, yeah. if you watch with the right. music videos. Right, definitely check it out. A couple of funny things have happened so far. Somebody hit me with a shirt. I shouldn't even say this because it'll probably encourage this behavior, but I was singing Day the World Went Away. And the last line, somehow someone threw a t-shirt that completely covered my entire head. <laughs> and I just left it on and sang the last verse, um, muffled. It was good, though. It was good. <laughs> Low pass last filter. Last night they figured out how to not just get up on each other's shoulders, but to actually get somebody standing up on somebody's so shoulders. The pod Charlie. holding on to the kid's yeah. legs and they're getting... These people are completely standing up on top of the crowd. Five people. One guy figured it out, and then the rest of them all got it figured out. So <laughs> it was like this row of five skinny dudes in fishnet t-shirts, but they were standing. <laughs> Early trends. Free and clear above the audience. Anyway, those are the, the audience that we is becoming sentient. They're turning into Voltrons. But yeah, it was interesting when he said, and it's almost like Fragility 1.0 was practice and her warm-up and then he says 2.0 he's up front about how it feels like the real tour has started in his words <laughs> yeah and they have you know different aspects to them that we'll discuss briefly um now i just want to talk briefly about the crew i'm not going to talk about every member if we had the time i would love to list all the you know the the different tech crew members and the drivers and the i don't know did they have catering i have no idea but i would i would love to do that john mom we don't have time to mention john mom so move on (laughs) it takes a village (laughs) so there's mark brickman according to imdb he was the lighting technician he is a lighting and production designer who's worked with pink floyd cirque du soleil so maybe he worked with robin once before (laughs) blue man group john mayer Whitney Houston, Slipknot, Genesis, and Eminem. Uh, Leroy Bennett is the production and lighting designer. He has worked with Nine Inch Nails since the Downward Spiral tour, and he also he's done several tours with them. Also, he did the Tension tour in 2013, but Ooh. he's done a lot. Lights in the Sky. I think he did Ninja. There's there's several that were listed okay. um, on his resume. If you want to go find it, uh, Bill Viola, who did the videos for Fragility 2.0 for La Mer, The Great Below, and The Mark Has great. Been Made. Love well, these. Yeah, and we'll talk about those when we uh-huh. talk more about the show. David Carson is listed for. Uh, well, actually, he's not listed. I think on the DVD credits because I don't think. I think His work there. really made it in there because I think it was on Fragility 1.0. Oh, okay. Uh, the projection screens, I think he did for um, La Mer, The Great Below, and The Way Out Is Through. Okay. So they had one different song there, by the way. They had The Way Out Is Through, not The Mark yeah. Has Been Made. The Way Out Is Through would have been cool to have on this DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rob Sheridan and Chris Bird were uh, given credit for the tour video sequence for Closer. Yeah, it was the more, it was kind of simple, like bl- red almost blood-like uh, light effects, mm-hmm. but pretty cool. Now, talking about the actual production and art for the DVD itself, the physical DVD, um, direction and editing and director of photography, Rob Sheridan. Let's go, Rob. <laughs> his first big project, I That's guess. That's right. So additional mini DV filming, Keith Hillebrandt. Might have he heard was that out there before. with the little camera? He was out there with the little camera. Mike Gomez, Chris Kanzi, and also Charlie Clouser is credited. So oh, interesting. I wonder if there were times when he wasn't he was wasn't take, performing. And they're was like, just... you don't play anything for a while in this song. Why don't you just make yourself useful? Take a camera and walk around the stage. There, there aren't. It, it's more 
seemingly from the audience than yes. from the stage yeah. on this particular concert movie. Yeah. So what they used were they used these Canon XL1 mini DV cameras. And that's what they used to film each night of the tour for multiple positions. And Blake and I were talking and we both had versions of this. I had an actual Canon. Yeah. Mine was a cheaper one than a Canon. Mm-hmm. I, f- I forget which one. Yeah. But essentially, yeah, they used consumer grade mm-hmm. and, and, and it looks... It has a lo-fi look to it for sure, but I I think it works. Yeah, it does for what they're wanting, which is, I believe, just for the audience experience. Yeah, and sound is really Mm -hmm. good. And obviously the 5.1. Yeah, um, and that was mixed later. I mean, you know, they use it from various shows. Everything is pulled from different shows. It's not like one night. But yeah, I had the actual Canon. I got it for Christmas one year. Um, I was... A film major when I first started at MSU because you know MSU is known for churning out the greats like um, right like you know the the Lynches and the Burtons of the world. They That's, all went to MSU. It's not Missouri AFI. State. It's it's Missouri State. Um, <laughs> so you you got that so that you could make your Reservoir Dogs or whatever. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But I well I did use it for one film project. I mm-hmm. had one toward the end of high school. Um, I pretty sure I got it with my money saved working at the movie theater, but um, I used it in at least one um, AV class nice. in high school project. Yeah. Ours was, we had to create a fake video channel for a production class, or not a video channel, sorry. Cable we channel. had to create a fake cable I did, channel. Did, I did you do that. that? I had that same class. I remember that project. It was like Media yeah. 120 or something. I don't think we made any content. <laughs> we did and we won. Oh, of course. Because we, we didn't have to take the final if you won. Like the, oh, the class voted and we prize. were like, ah. And so we made fake TV shows for our fake channel. Mm-hmm. And one of them was we used my friend, <laughs> sorry, my friend, best friend from high school, mm-hmm. Beth was a notorious slob. And I had a key to her apartment and oh, no. we had a fake, um, Cribs, you know, like E True Hollywood Story. Oh, it was like that. Say Cribs. It was well, our channel was the B Movie channel. It was just called B. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was like exploitation and just B Movie films and things like that. That'd be a good channel. Yeah, thank you. That's this is why we won. It was all my idea, by the way, because I'm brilliant. But we made a fake, uh, like B type True Hollywood Story, and we had a friend lay down on the floor in her apartment. (laughs) It was so dirty, like pizza boxes on the floor. I'm talking filthy. So like hoarders. Yes. Well, not that bad. But Little human-shaped hole in the floor where like, they sleep. He laid down on the floor and we were filming him like to look like, you know, um, like he's at the lowest point, the, the bottom of his downward spiral. And her cat comes out of the room and just kind of walks into him and sniffs. And we all just died laughing because it was perfect. You know? Ruined the take. <laughs> Anyway, that's the only thing I really use that for because I realized yeah. I'm not meant to be a film major. Well, the same cameras are what made uh, <laughs> and all that could have been. Yeah, and my Media 120 project. So, And by the way, people always wanted this to come out on Blu-ray, which, I mean, they, they do this. They'll put low-res stuff on, on Blu-ray, but it is kind of pointless um, because it was filmed in low definition mm-hmm. so you're not going to get high definition you're not out get of that, that much out of it unless you use ai upscaling which rob sheridan did do on a video or two uh, mm-hmm. including just like you imagine which you can find on his youtube channel that's cool uh video editing facility nothing studios the entire project was done in-house according to ni and wiki i think they edited with final cut pro and mixed audio with digidesign pro tools i like how you said digidesign in front of me. <laughs> what how did i say it wrong no <laughs> It's just, you know, 
Pro Tools. Oh, oh, sorry. Everyone knows Pro Tools, but but yeah, no. It, it they was, listed both. I didn't know. Maybe that's what they. Uh, maybe that's what it was called in. Uh, it was Digi Design. Two thousand two. It was Digi Design Forever. Now yeah. it's Avid. Uh. So, still photography for the DVD menus, David Carson, Rob Sheridan, and artwork, a name you might have heard before, mm. Russell Mills. These menus are some of the coolest in DVD history. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Animated, like they change. Um, it, every time you go to them, it's like something different, uh-huh. a different music. Uh, like you can go to the main menu multiple times and you'll get different music, different images each time. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And hidden stuff too. Yeah. Um, and then they list the tour video sequences, which we talked about, but there was also a tour video sequence for The Wretched gave up complication and had like a hole that was done by Nodding Hill. Hmm. It's like a production team or something. Like the movie? <laughs> just like Hugh the Grant. movie. It was Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Oh, mm-hmm. that explains it. I'm just a girl standing in front of a... You have me at Hello. And show me the money. (laughs) I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Come on. You've never seen that, have you? No, (sighs) I'm I'm a man. (laughs) How dare you? Notting Hill is charming. I know, that was very toxic of me. It was. It's a charming movie like a lot of Hugh Grant films, like Four Weddings and a Funeral. I watched Jerry Maguire with you finally, and I did enjoy it, although it was fucking insane. But also Mark Pellington uh, uh-huh. is, plays a character in it. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Friend of uh, patron Mark Pellington. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not not making that up uh-huh. is uh, has a pretty funny role in it. Yeah, he is. I recognize me and it's like, oh my God, is that Mark Pellington? He's a big man. Yeah, he's very tall. Yeah. Um, like Jerome Dillon. While we're on that topic, he's a tall motherfucker. <laughs> Especially when you stand him up next to Trent, it looks like the Red Room in Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's why Trent had him out at some point. He's like, we can't. Trent's like, he wasn't even a drummer before, but Trent's like, you have to be sitting down. <laughs> so I think we're going to put you on the drums. It's bad enough I got Robin up here. Okay. It, right, no, right. Not putting you up here either. So talking about just the physical art, I don't want to get too into detail on this because we might discuss it later with a special guest when we do an artwork episode. The photo used for the top half of the DVD cover is taken from inside a bomb shelter that David Carson found at a home he purchased. And Whoa. Yeah. So this came from a TED Talk he gave called Design and Discovery. Oh, shit. I want to watch this. Yeah. I haven't watched it. So I thought we'd watch it before we do our art episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but he did tell a little story about it that came from this TED Talk. And I'll just read it real quick. There was some bomb shelter built, apparently in the 60s Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm. And I asked the real estate guy what it was as we were walking by. And he goes, it's something to do with the sewage system. Mm. I was like, okay, that's (laughs) fine. I finally went down there and it was this old rusted circular thing and two beds and very kind of creepy and weird. Kind of like that room in Barbarian when she goes in and there's the bed and the the, the bed is like kind of bloody and and there's like a bloody handprint maybe on the wall and there's like a a bucket and a camera. Oh, yeah. Unsettling. I wonder if there's a camera in the bomb shelter. I don't know. And also, surprisingly, it was done in a kind of cheap metal, and it had completely rusted through, and water everywhere, and spiders. And I thought, you know, what were they thinking? You'd think maybe cement, possibly, or something. (laughs) David Carson (laughs) saw this place with all the rust and spiders and shit, and he was like, TDS vibes. (laughs) 
<laughs> totally using this for Nine Inch Nails. He said, but anyway, I use this for a cover for the Nine Inch Nails DVD, and I've now fixed the bomb shelter with duct tape, and it's ready. So fixed it with duct tape. Duct tape fixes everything. The brown rust motif of both the DVD cover and the CD cover. I think they say that the CD cover is probably, I think NI and Wiki supposes that it's probably the same thing. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. like a more zoomed in yeah. version of that. But it's so ugly, intentionally ugly, which is a very Nine Inch Nails thing, thing to yeah. do, at least in that era. And throughout the whole career, really. I mean, there's some random beauty, like uh, I would sure. say the day the world went away. Sure, sure. Well, anything that yeah. involves flowers is it's going to be some <laughs> random beauty. Um, yeah, they have two modes, rust and flowers. <laughs> but, and then the rest of it, it's kind of like the fragile album art. You have a top segment that's like a third or less than a third. Then the rest of it is something else. And on the DVD, it's just gray. Yeah. Oh, and there have been like alternate covers. Um, some of them have like the the Nine Inch Nails logo that's kind of similar to the Hesitation Marks era in yeah. Iron Logo. Um, and I think you can see those in David Carson's book, Trek. And one of our patrons shared some of those images because uh, he has the book. I'm not going to say their name for okay. uh, yeah. I, privacy I, reasons. I can post some of these too. Yeah, but they shared them with us in the Discord. So, And on the DVD, there's a still gallery. Mm-hmm. Not still the... Uh, album but still mm. as in still fo- uh-huh. still photography where they show a wall covered in alternate fragile art mm-hmm. so some of that stuff maybe i don't know if any of it's alternate dvd art or what but it's, it's just some interesting stuff I'll, yeah. I'll post that too yeah now i thought we could just talk about the major differences between the dvd and the cd other than the format <laughs> like obviously one is only audio and one is visual. You can see obviously. the band on this. Did you know that? <laughs> Whoa. So right away, the DVD version starts out with an intro. We have Pinion, The New Flesh. I like yeah. this so much more. Such a good intro. It builds energy. It, it starts out totally dark and you're hearing The New Flesh. The lights start to come up and you hear people freaking out. Pinion's coming in as well. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, the full Terrible Lie intro followed by blinding lights. Trina's throwing water at the audience mm-hmm. and then the snare drum a lot of water tilt. throwing at the audience by Trent lots I of that like that he appreciates keeping people hydrated right. and cool Trent you know? we're thirsty mm-hmm. okay stay hy- hydrated yeah. for your health <laughs> he was way ahead of the stay hydrated game right yeah also we get La Mer right yes oh god so the some of my favorite performances from a some of my favorite songs are included that aren't on the CD. Complication. Complications, awesome and psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Just like you imagined. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs, period. Mm-hmm. And a great, possibly the, my favorite performance on this DVD. Yeah. There's also this the secret songs. Yes. We haven't I haven't talked about the Easter eggs yet, but it does not include a complete live performance of the day the world went away, but the CD does. However, one of the Easter eggs is the video. Yeah, but th- that includes the same live performance of mm-hmm. Day, Day the World Went Away as is on the CD. Yeah, it has the the video, I think, that Graham Wood uh, directed. So part of it's a video, and then it transitions to the end being yeah, a live, live performance. Yep. So the Easter eggs. Blake, what's an Easter egg? Well, do you need the, like the full history of it going back to early programming? <laughs> <laughs> what are we referring to here, though? A hidden... Hidden uh, songs and features uh-huh. that you can get to by pressing um, arcane buttons on your DVD remote controller, which we don't have. Yeah. But the 
PlayStation allowed us to get to most of them. Yes. So you're pressing stuff like up, down, left, right, B, A, start, stuff like that. <laughs> so it includes um, the Starfuckers performance with Marilyn Manson at Madison Square Garden. It includes the uh, TV spots. So there's like 1999, The Fragile and Things Falling Apart. Those TV spots are included. Yeah. Uh, the Day the World Went Away video. And then a live performance of Reptile. And Blake has a little theory about That's re- this. And it's a really cool performance, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a joke about this was in the Meathead perspective, you know, 23 years ago. Uh-huh. But it's still worth pointing out. Reptile is a secret <laughs> track on here that you have to press certain buttons at a certain time to get if uh, anyone played mortal Kombat, reptile was a secret character you could get to by pressing a certain combination of buttons at the right time was this intentional on trent's part notorious video game lover you tell me i don't know i just think it's funny yeah i mean it could have been a rob sheridan thing that he put in oh you know what Mm -hmm. because he was the director of this whole thing Mm -hmm. god knows he's a nerd that's probably it. And just the, when those two get together, you know it's nerd fucking city. <laughs> um, also, the DVD on early copies of it had a message from Reznor. I think it was like a little sticker maybe on the DVD. I, 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 I had that, yeah. yeah. No, oh, I'm sorry. It, it's worth pointing out. It's not a sticker. It's a um, transparent piece of plastic that looks like a bookmark. Oh, okay. With like blue text on it. You have to like hold it up to a light to see it well. Do you still have that? It's in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't see it. We also got a little still uh, insert that's like, go to this website to buy the still disc, oh. which I wish we could still do, but we're 23 <laughs> years late. Uh, okay. I but, didn't realize it was an actual like a little insert or yeah, something. Yeah, the clear you... little bookmark type thing is okay. cool. You'll have to look at it. Yeah. Maybe you'll take a picture of it. And yeah, I'll it. post it. Okay. And it says... Just a glimpse, just a little reminder of a time and a place we used to live in. This DVD attempts to document the experience of Nine Inch Nails Live as we were in the summer of 2000. We filmed and recorded most of the dates of the North American Fragility 2.0 tour with home video cameras, then assembled, mixed, and edited this ourselves with our home computers. In my eyes, Fragility 2.0 was a summation of what we had accomplished up to this time. So this DVD serves as a reminder of achievement as well as a departure point. This is almost what it felt like being there, Trent Reznor. Almost what it felt like. So when they promoted the DVD, not only did Rob Sheridan direct this DVD, but he also directed an MTV2 special called And All That Could Have Been Fragility 2.0 Tour. You can watch this special on his YouTube channel, again, if you want to watch it. This is a very interesting Rob's first foray into a big directing mm-hmm. project. It is ambitiously weird. Yeah. The, the direction. <laughs> the special was directed, conceptualized, and executed by Trent Reznor, Rob Sheridan, and Jeff Anderson. It contains footage from the And All That Could Have Been DVD release, um, as well as acoustic performances or mm. performances from still. Yeah. Uh, and interviews. Interviews with Jerome Dillon, uh, Trent, yeah. Mom. Mom. Uh, who else? Was Clouser one? Maybe Rob Sheridan himself. Yeah, was you yeah. do. You get. We get to see Rob kind of uh-huh. for the first time. Rob's debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and that footage was filmed specifically for this production. And everything again was produced and edited entirely in house at Nothing Studios in New Orleans. And I think he spoke about why 
it was all done in-house and why they didn't like farm it out. To yeah. Can I say what yeah. the quote, he said, we didn't need a filmmaker to come and put his stamp on it. And I was, I was just thinking, this is, this is like, we talked about stop making sense a lot. This mm-hmm. is not that, that very much has the director's yeah. Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan Demme's vision. Actually, I was going to talk about that when we get to the DVD because there are different types of performance DVDs yeah. or videos. Um, yeah. And we'll kind of come back to that. I think that's important to point out. They had a website and all that could have been.com. No longer exists. Sorry. No. Uh, and Rob Sheridan made a trailer. Can I play it? Sure. It says 18 songs, 5.1 digital surround sound. Multiple camera angles, audio commentary, bonus features. available on vhs i've never seen a vhs copy yeah, of this have you i don't know anyone who has the vhs let us know but yeah it'd be hard to do the bonus features on that <laughs> the, the the easter eggs maybe it was just you have to fast forward past the credits for a little bit until you get to yeah, yeah. i'm glad we just let the music play there um because it sounds awesome and there's a reason that you know just like you imagined was chosen to be the the trailer music because it's so such a damn good performance. I'm I'm sticking with that possibly being the best yeah. on here. Um. So before we get into the actual DVD, like discussion of the performances on the on the DVD, mm-hmm. um, I thought we would talk about just some differences between Fragility 1.0 and Fragility 2.0. Yeah. So one of the differences we already kind of mentioned, right? There's that at least with the set design for the for 1.0, they had like a um, big curtain that yep. the band played behind, but I think it was also used, it said it was backlit as needed. So I guess when they're behind it, maybe it's backlit. Yeah, and you'd, you'd see their shadows yeah. cast against yeah. it, their silhouettes. And I don't know if it only started out with that backdrop I or th- did they... I think they pulled it away um, at some point in the first song. Okay. It would be pretty weird and uh, <laughs> ambitious to... No, because I've seen 1.0 performances um, of different of weird stuff like No, You Don't and Into the Void where the that's not there. So th- was there one big screen behind them at least? Uh, I think there might have been a single screen. They okay. also had these weird chandelier-like yes. things hanging. Those were cool. It reminded yeah. me, they had lighting that reminded me more of the performance of the Fragile on the VMAs, right? Like yeah. the kind of- Weird cranes hanging yeah. over. Like, yeah, the kind of tube lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And the set list varied kind of slightly. They had No You Don't. That was one thing they had that we didn't hear. Into the Void, The Way Out is Through. He would play Down in It or Get Down Make Love sometimes on that one. But uh, an example of the encore, um, let's see. Their encore might include The Day the World Went Away, Starfuckers, Closer, and Hurt. And, I mean, it opened with Somewhat Damaged, um, mm-hmm. at least for some of it, which some of it did, yeah. 
Can I talk about No You Don't for a second? Yes. Because it's one of my favorite album tracks, but I watched some performances of it from Fragility 1.0 to kind of see like, why did they decide that this wasn't working? Um, the sections of it that are the halftime drums, it's more of just like a rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, real drums, real guitar, it's, it sounds pretty damn good. Then when it goes to double time um, and it's just a drum machine piped in for the chorus, it falls out of pocket slightly. Like the it's really hard to keep the, they're having trouble for whatever reason, keeping the guitars in line with that um, sequence drum beat. It doesn't sound as clean as the album. So I can kind of see where they would get frustrated and be like, we can't, this keeps falling out of pocket. We were just scrapping it. I think if they would have, they could have rearranged it to make the whole thing just a rock band done at halftime or whatever, or just, you know, real drums. Played with it more. Right. Until they found out. They probably just didn't want to take the time or effort to rework the whole damn thing that they had just come out with anyway. Yeah. What about Into the Void? Into the Void didn't sound as good as the album version, but it it sounded fine. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't fall out of pocket like, no, you don't. I'm not totally sure why they decided against it. I don't know. Why do you think they switched out? I call this like the fragile interlude, right? Where it gets mm. really quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, why did they switch out the way out is through for the mark has been made? I don't know. that. That's like a crime to me. I wonder if they were kind of like... I don't know, maybe Bill Viola had something to do with that decision, do you think, at all? Because he was making the, the visual art for it, like maybe... It seems like that would be... Maybe the, Reznor had different suggestions, like what about, you know, the mark has been made, or the way out is through, maybe Viola got to pick between the two, and I mean, I don't know. Maybe, if if Reznor himself was completely torn, I, but I couldn't imagine Bill Viola actually being the one to make the decision. Maybe it was just another case of they weren't liking how it was... Uh, going mm-hmm. and they were like oh, the mark has been made we can we can do easier I don't know <laughs> yeah maybe so those are some of the tr- major like playlist differences another big difference for fragility 2.0 and 1.0 right so fragility 1.0 they just had like a single screen but they did have special effects that played yeah during those three songs during the interview that I think David Carson made mm-hmm. whereas fragility 2.0, we got the Bill Viola videos, but they were not on one single screen. Mm. Instead, they were divided up. Or they were th- okay. How do you? They were three big screens. There's a name for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the name, Blake? It's the art concept known as the triptych. Mm-hmm. A an image divided into three segments. Yes. It's uh, it's an ancient art form. We'll probably talk about it more on an episode about art, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. It would, we'll get more in depth, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we don't need to uh, add another hour here, but I, I, it's really cool. I just like this this concept that the the sort of movie is spread aco- across three different screens with gaps between them. Yeah, and we'll talk about it more, but the screens are actually above the band, and there there are lights. Like, the screens are actually projecting lights and yeah. different images down, but you probably couldn't see them if you were far away. They're more subtle. But if you were close to the stage and you looked yep. up, you could see the these images. And then there's a moment in uh, Gave Up 
when the screens start to move yeah. and then they're behind the band like, instead of above them. And they go from a horizontal orientation to vertical. Mm-hmm. They're just like right above the band's heads to start with. <laughs> During her, the closing song, like it, there is one that is like directly above, like yeah. it looks like it's directly above Trent's head. And they're like at half, they're at like an angle. Yeah. <laughs> like and 45 like, degrees. If that thing fell on someone, it would I kill know. someone. Like... Right, you'd be, you'd be a goner. It really is scary how dangerous rock shows can be. I mean, just last night, this is not the band's fault, but there was severe weather oh, in the God. Chicago area, and the a a venue stage, the the at a Morbid venue, Angel show. Yes, the ceiling, the whole fucking section of ceiling collapsed, collapsed right in front of the stage or on, on the top stage of or, the stage, okay. basically. And if there, I think there was one casualty, yeah. people were uh, under there. Uh, up. There was the Great White. Uh, yeah, several people died. They had like pyrotechnics at like a small, yeah. wasn't that it? It was a very fire, small yeah, venue. And fire. Whenever people we saw the killers, they, they had pyrotechnics. And the whole time I was just looking around for an exit, like, no. how do I take my niece and no run one should, like hell? No one should be doing fire anymore <laughs> after Great White. Come on. It freaked me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And then we've had tons of people who have been crushed at concerts by, you know, just people getting a little too excited for the who and pushing and crushing people to try to get into a venue. I love that. You've had all kinds of of horrible things happen at concerts, but it does make you think like, wow, concerts aren't really, I mean, one small thing could go wrong and someone could die. So sure. Yeah. Travis Scott. I love that now Nine Inch Nails just like, fuck it. We're just going to do minimal stuff and light rigs on the ground, (laughs) Mm -hmm. ground based light rigs. Whereas in fragility, we had like, 50 foot tall uh, light arrays Mm -hmm. towering over the band in addition to these screens. It's just nutty stuff. Yeah, it was was pretty bonkers. Like he said, they were trying to do stuff that hadn't been done before. Um, Someone said that that was the first time that LCD screens had been used like that. But then someone brought up that I think U2 during the Pop Mart (laughs) tour had used some kind of early version, I think. Um, I don't know. I didn't go to that tour. The only thing I know about that tour is there was like a giant lemon involved. That's was this, all I know was this about the one where tour. he was doing Mr. Mephistopheles? No, I or think whatever. that was Zoo TV. Is that right? I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't either. I'm not like 90s era. I don't really know a lot about you two to be able to say that. I'm Mr. Mephisto or whatever he said. I enjoy uh, some you two and early you two, but. With the, the LCD screens. I feel like the technology was newer as far as other than like a jumbotron Uh at a sports arena. You didn't really see that. Yeah. Like not at rock shows. I think that the, one of the first jumbotrons that was used was a Mark Brickman situation. I think it was at a Genesis concert or a Genesis tour. (laughs) That makes sense. I think I, I, if I remember correctly, I read that on his Wikipedia tonight, but I don't hold me to that. I'm just remembering something. But I believe whenever you said Jumbotron, I was like, oh, uh, speaking of Jumbotrons. Yeah, yeah. And I think that tour was like the early 90s. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like it was. It wasn't the wall. No, it was it Oh, wasn't wait, the we're, wall. Talking, like we're talking Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, okay. it wasn't Gen- like in the 70s or Genesis something. Genesis in the early 90s. I don't know. So before we talk about the DVD and our thoughts on it, do you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then talk about that concert. <laughs> okay.
while you were gone, I looked up the VHS and it does exist. Like, I didn't think it was a lie. I just never have seen one before. Yeah. And it's one VHS, by the way. But we have to have two. Well, two it, DVDs. Like, it doesn't have the the bonus content, I, I assume. That's what I would assume. I'm not certain how they would do that unless like they like they brokened it, put it at the end. You have to mm -hmm. fast forward. Yeah, um, no, no space. But yeah, and if you if anyone's interested, I found one for thirty bucks on eBay, um, plus five ninety five shipping. He said it's in very good condition. I would say it's in good condition. Looking at this box, so I kind of wish they had come up with a way to put the whole concert uninterrupted on one DVD. Yeah, and maybe put the bonus material. That does kind of take you out of it a little bit. Yeah, it, complication ends abruptly, and it's like put in disc two. <laughs> Pop in disc two and then suck just starts blasting yeah. right into it. Yeah. That's, a, that's a jump scare. <laughs> all right. Just want to go through this like track by track. Yes. And, all right. Uh, pinion the new flesh. So how we start. Mashup. Mm -hmm. As we talked about, I, I like it better than the CD. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Very good way good. to open. Terrible lie. Banger. Obviously a banger. Mm -hmm. And can I just say right off the bat. And I'll I'll ask you if you feel the same. Okay. I I just like it more than the CD, hands down. When I talked about when we talked about the CD, I talked about how I need the visual component. Turns out I was right. That <laughs> that just made the experience way way better. I would say if you can have a visual component, yes, it's always going to make the experience. Most of the time, it'll make it better. Also, it's in five dot one. The CD mm -hmm. obviously can't be, and we took the time to set it up correctly and test it using the very convenient uh, 5.1 test screen that Blake comes with this. was so excited. He was like, man, yeah. I needed a win today. I and this. I was, that, <laughs> I, it wasn't because getting the PlayStation to communicate with the TV to communicate with the digital receiver was a nightmare. 5.1 is never straightforward, it seems, especially when you're using all this stuff. Uh, had to change a lot of settings. Anyway, I got it to work and I, it was just like, it was like, felt like winning the lottery. <laughs> it was very excited. About but, it. and it sound, and the sound was worth it. You notice so much cool little stuff going on in the surrounds and in the surround speakers. Um, it's a lot of little electronic elements mm -hmm. that I had literally never heard before. Weird percussive elements. Yeah. Yeah. High. Uh, pitch dissonant uh, uh, scrapes and squeals. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the crowd noise is put in the surrounds, which mm -hmm. kind of makes you feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just a better way to experience it. And then obviously having the uh, the LFE. Now that's industry speak for low frequency emitter, <laughs> colloquially called the subwoofer. That makes it awesome. <laughs> uh, just for that bass, you know? Mm-hmm. But you don't have to have surround to obviously to have that. But Blake's all about that bass. I'm all about the bass, like uh, the lady said in the song. Megan Trainer. Right. Where is she now? I don't know. She's probably still She's making still, literally still doing music. Yeah. yeah. Sin. Bangs. It's really cool to see Charlie work with the theremin, mm -hmm. and the opening of Sin gets a nice theremin solo instead of that weird. Instead of sax, yeah, instead thing. of a sped up yeah. sax sample, uh, that's replaced by a theremin solo. It is cool. Charlie was actually one of my favorite people to watch. Yeah, well, he, I mean, Robin's always fun to watch, and Reznor, obviously, but yeah, when Damn, it comes to the musicians, good. Charlie was fun to watch because he seems pretty collected. 
more so than the rest of the gang, and he's kind of off he's in his own little... He's just a very cool guy. Yeah. He's kind of off in his own little area, so, like, Reznor's right. not messing with him. Um, he also has one of my favorite... I think he has my favorite fit on. Okay, he has the advantages of outfit mm-hmm. and the apparatus, the keyboard stand mm-hmm. on this movable oh, crane. Oh, yeah, that crane. I think he that can, crane rules. I think he can do a full 360 with this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like this custom... God knows what it must have cost and the engineering involved. I'd like to know all the backstory to that custom keyboard stand. But the the theremins, even like on a stand that can bend at different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's multiple keyboards on this stand. But yeah, that that's a huge advantage that just makes yeah. him look cooler. <laughs> yeah. And plus he has, here's the thing is I'm a big fan of things like um, in fashion, I like asymmetry. So I like things that are kind of off kilter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has a, like a cuff, like on one arm, like yeah, a big leather custom. I said he looks kind of cyberpunk. He looks really cool. One arm is the whole forearm mm-hmm. cuff. The, the other, other arm, arm has a small, a small cuff. cuff. So yeah. yeah, asymmetrical. Yeah, it's very cool. And Jess could have sworn he had some sort of goth corset on. But. In one scene, the camera came up behind him. And of course, this is not filmed at one show. Yep. It's a series of different shows. So their costumes You see slight, slight, slight variations in, in, in the outfits mm-hmm. and major variations in Robin's <laughs> hair. Yes. So they're not really trying to make you think this is one performance, obviously. Or yeah, uh, things might have looked a little different. It's really well done. But they don't even try to hide the fact that... Trent's uh, fragile artwork guitars, uh-huh. Les Paul's with the <laughs> fragile uh, finish mm-hmm. flowers and stuff. They don't even try to hide that those are changing yeah. mid- mid-song. Which I think our intern said something about, like he, I think there were notes that he left us about how those look really cheap close up. But far away, they look, they're like Monet's. Wait, Maybe it's it? just impressionism. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Impressionistic flowers. It's like clueless. They, fragile flowers. Monet's. I think, you know, those were getting destroyed uh, as we, we saw. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen still photos of some of them broken in half. Mm-hmm. So you, you break out a different one. But, yeah, it's pretty obvious that they're kind of switching mid-song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still still cool. Still cool, yeah. But, like, the audio is seamless. Like, you would think it's it's one performance if you yeah. were just, yeah. Yeah, and it for all we know, uh, you know, much of the audio, at least – I mean, I think it comes Within from several songs. shows. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's, it'd be impossible to tell. Uh, March of the Pigs. Okay. March of the Pigs is amazing. Mm-hmm. Starts with, hey, you fucking pigs, as usual. Um, a very bombastic performance of this one. Mm-hmm. Trent looking his most scary, possibly. Possibly of his whole career. No. <laughs> what, during this song? No, I just, I'm just saying overall. Oh, well, the, the way that the, um, He's wearing makeup and makeup eye makeup. Plus cornstarch. And the cornstarch. And he is just dripping with sweat from like the second song well, on. Well, he, the way it works is he starts pure white and it, he looks so ghoulish. He, uh-huh. he looks like a corpse. And eventually he just looks like he's covered yeah, you, in grime. You sweat like it off and it turns to mud. He looks like an... You know, a Dickensian character who's been cleaning chimneys all day or something. It like looks it's like just David the grime is just like in his neck. It's just it's rough, yeah, rough stuff, and just dripping sweat. Like definitely not trying to look pretty. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, no, he'll let Jerome look pretty. He'll let Danny be the pretty boy. <laughs> um, I Trent does these fist thrusts during 
during March of the Pigs that I love. You'd mm. think the, the this motion would go well with fist fuck and wish, mm-hmm. but no, he does it. I always love this. Um, the shove it up inside. I mm-hmm. you can't see. I'm thrusting my fist. Yeah. Surprise lies. Yeah. Great, great little fist thing he does. Mm-hmm. You just got to see it. Yeah. So Piggy, this is where we get some audience interaction. Trent does crowd work in mm-hmm. Piggy. That's right. Uh, but not before. Um, if, if you're listening to the CD and you hear a loud crack that sounds like a mic reverberating off of a skull, <laughs> it's uh, Trent doing some self head uh, bashing with the microphone. Mm-hmm, which I think he, I think he did that during uh, performances in the. Um, self-destructor as well yeah you would Oof. just you just bang it into we his know, head we know uh more about how traumatic brain injury works now so he doesn't do that anymore uh, but at the time anyway he uh during the toward the end of the song when nothing can stop me now is repeated over and over mm-hmm. he, he he wouldn't do this anymore but he lets he kind of lets the crowd tear him apart <laughs> he, <laughs> he gets out there and it's just uh Glad handing with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a, a young woman who's almost sobbing. That poor maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, crying, but also grabbing at Trent and screaming I mean, the lyrics. Uh, well, <laughs> then some some bros who are just just happy to be there, also screaming along, mm-hmm. ripping locks of his hair out to keep. <laughs> uh, but it's it's pretty chaotic, and mm-hmm. then he kind of like stumbles back onto the stage somehow, just in time to bang his arms against the keyboard. To uh, start doing the 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 piano part, the end of Piggy. Yeah. Um. Next is the frail. Yep. Of course, that piano leads into the frail. Mm-hmm. The chaos uh, subsides for a minute, <laughs> so they can do the pretty piano piece. And the frail leads into obviously the wretched. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first first two fragile tracks. Uh, the wretched's just awesome. I mean, we it was awesome live on the CD. Even better with the visual component. Thoughts? I don't have anything to add. I mean, these are all very good performances to watch and to listen to. Yep. Robin's whipping some ass mm-hmm. with his guitar work on The Wretched. Definitely. Uh, gave Up. So uh, this performance of Gave Up is amazing. Yep. Maybe one of my favorites on this DVD. Um, I love the lighting. The lighting is pure chaos. Uh, the red and the blue. Yes. Looks like the cops are coming for you. Blinding. <laughs> the blueberries and the cherries. <laughs> is that what they call it? I Well, I was a long time ago. I was out with, I was in high school and I was with a friend and we might've been smoking a joint in his My, car okay. driving around in the country. And he saw a cop and he's like, oh fuck the blueberries and the cherries. And I'd never heard that before I've in my heard life. The old fashioned cherry on top of the cop car, which is the single red light. I've heard mm-hmm. that called a cherry. Yeah. He said blueberries and cherries. I thought <laughs> The that lights was... weren't on, but that's what he just referred to the cop as. So. I always thought that was like a Captain Crunch variant. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay. I like how the, now the screens come up, the screens go vertical. Mm-hmm. During gave up, and the lights are going especially the, the, insane. The blueberries and cherries are going nuts, nuts. on the screens. I watched. There's a, is a special featurette on uh, the DVD yeah, that's Bill really Viola cool. talking about all the different images and, and how they did them. Yeah. And he's talking about the lights, and he calls it the storm. Like mm. it's just he refers to those lights as like the storm. Yeah, it's going nuts. Yeah. And then I like how at the end of the song, it 
it blinks and goes to orange, like a like broken, broken orange. Like yeah. the EP, yeah. But then when the song, when Gave Up ends, it suddenly just goes, the screens go to blue. Oh, yeah, they, they changed mm-hmm. from the broken orange to blue, which is the more peaceful, calming, has has a calming effect because mm-hmm. it's leading into La Mer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I like this transition better than on the CD that's missing La Mer, obviously. Yeah, it's lovely um, because you have that juxtaposition of the the ugly, one of the, the most like industrially metally songs, you know, one of their harder songs in this performance. Yeah. And then you go into that that so beautiful I piano piece. Bill Viola, the storm metaphor also included the eye of the storm mm-hmm. was these quieter songs in yeah. between the two broken songs. Exactly. Um, because we said earlier, it's stamped by gave up and by wish. So, yeah. yeah. We have La Mer and, and great below and, uh, Marcus been made three fragile tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I call this the fragile interlude. I think sure. I said that earlier. Yeah. What, another thing I really like about the screens, it's got really cool footage on it, but so from, from afar, it looks like it's just these really cool movies. You're sort of watching, this cool imagery, like uh, mo- a lot of water stuff, which I think is works great for La Mer and mm-hmm. Great Below. Like you see some ripples on the water. Yeah. The, the way they have it lit, like it kind of changes color. Uh-huh. Right? There are different colors that, that the water changes yeah, into. Yeah, little water droplets are great for the beginning of La Mer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like image of a woman That's underwater. towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think it's in Great Below, like fields of poppies. Yeah, so he was talking about those. There are these insane poppy fields in California, I think, is yeah. where he filmed them. I want to go to these poppy fields. He said it's just hallucinatory. Like it's <sighs> it's insane, these these poppy go. fields. Is it like is it like the scene Wizard of Oz again, where <laughs> Dorothy falls asleep and yeah. it's just in that that's what I imagine it looking like. I don't know where that was shot or anything about it, but yeah, I just think that's a really cool image. And I, I want to go to those fields because he was just talking about how much fun he had, how beautiful and how strange it is. I think he said hallucinatory, actually, uh, yeah. that those poppy fields are. And he was just like rolling around in them. And <laughs> Getting high off his ass. He might have done shrooms. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know what he did. I'm just, I don't think he did anything. <laughs> it was the poppy seed muffin. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Just Seinfeld. like Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I was saying I want... I want a 4K transfer of just the movies from this from the screens that we can just watch. <laughs> just I think that. one of the David Carson videos was auctioned. Oh shit! I think I read that on NIN Wiki. Like in 2018, it was auctioned, and you can whoever bought it uh, like upload like uh, sent some to ET. ETS. Yeah, but I want the Bill Viola one, so you can watch it on ETS. I think okay. there's a link to it in NIN Wiki if you want to watch it. But that's cool. But. Mm-hmm. The, the the viola ones are particularly cool. It would be it would just be nice to see a really high resolution. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that when you get up when they do close shots of Trent standing like right in front of the screens or even touching the screens, mm-hmm. um, it looks like pixel art. Yeah, it's really cool with Trent's silhouette in front of the pixel art, which is not only is pixel art part of the fragile era art. It's something that's kind of carried through uh, his whole career mm-hmm. off and on. Yeah, in in, in artwork. Um, I just thought that was a really cool effect. In Great Below, I always loved, there's an footage, upside down footage mm-hmm. of like a woman falling into water. I thought it was a man. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody is falling into water. Mm-hmm. 
but they're going up because it's upside down. And then right at the right at the climax, uh, on the downbeat, the feet hit the water, and there's a upside down splash. It's just a really cool image. Great timing, great audio visual work there. Mm-hmm. But music wise, I noticed I really love Robin's does the harmonies on the Great Below, um, and I think his his vocal stylings sound awesome there for those harmonies. Cause on the record it's Trent doing kind of a falsetto, but Robin has this, this more higher pitched, really unique voice that is always w- welcome on the, uh, for nine inch nails live. Um, also he does harmonies on hurt at the end, which are also great. Mm-hmm. So the mark has been made, uh, is the yeah. last in the, the mark the has been made. Here. It has, um, the imagery is, Looks like it's like green water. I think all, you called it toxic slime I did. or something. You could see it as toxic slime or almost swamp like. It's, which... it's what Trent was covered in in the deep. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's the Shrek sauce. Um, I can't believe I said Shrek sauce. That's a great band name. I think the Shrek sauce is what got Sonic the Hedgehog pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> My Tumblr fans will know what that is. Um, uh, swamp-like imagery, I think, is great for the mark has been made because my mind's eye wants to think of like a swamp, especially toward the beginning of the mark has been made. I don't know why. If anyone else is like New Orleans, I don't know. Sure, I yeah. I mean, there's that Nola influence. It's everywhere. Swampy. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, there's some, some cool swampy like uh, location on location footage in the the Rob Sheridan directed. Uh, the MTV two thing, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, then obviously the the cool live only ending of Mark has been made, going straight into Wish, and Trent screams. Hang on, I wrote it down. Let's go, fuckers, <laughs> which we don't hear on the CD, no. but it, it kicks ass. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and Wish is always a, a fucking Wish always bangs. Yeah. After Wish, what happens? This is not on the CD, obviously, and is one of the weirder selections. But another fragile instrumental complication um, comes in, and it, it's the most psychedelic moment of the <laughs> night. We get these really cool, like computer graphics that turn into like really psychedelic-looking Rorschach testy, but, but more colorful just this cool trippy imagery going on and it's just really quick paced and and wild it's fun it is good and then trent does really wild vocalizations over the end of it too Mm -hmm. and it ends fairly abruptly with trent kind of yelping and And then and then you're told to put in the next disc and it's like what is cuts you right off insert disc two please Uh, it's like when i was a kid and we'd be laying there watching braveheart or gone with the wind and then suddenly Time for tape two. And my mom would be like, Jessica, get up. And I'd be like, I don't want to. Or Magnolia. Oh, yeah. That was on two I think I watched that on VHS the first time, too. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I rented VHS for that. My friend worked at a video store, so he would just bring home screeners Ah. and we'd watch them. So you take your DVD out. You put the second one in. Mm -hmm. And it just starts blasting suck. (laughs) Suck is funky as hell. Yeah. Trent, you get to see Trent do his funky little dances uh, with the guitar. 
This is one of the trend guitar songs, but we already know um, it bangs. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is there to say? Not a lot. It's good. Suck, followed by closer. The hit, closer. We get the red uh, imagery on the screens mm-hmm. by Sheridan and Bird, Chris Bird, I think. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's. I think red is also for my uh, for my mind's eye. Red seems very appropriate. There's a there's a sexy dangerous uh, mood to this blood red. It's like red light special, just like yeah, that. sure. Mm-hmm. It's a little like red lava lamp too. Did red light special also come out in 1994? Yeah, that I, was I such a so. horny year. Man, that year was horny. You got red light special. You got closer, and you got boys to men's. I'll make love to you. Yeah, and, and you got like sixth grade Jessica just singing along to all. of them. Not knowing what the hell she was saying. <laughs> uh, it's really Ooh. weird to see like in seventh grade, like 12 and 13 year olds dancing to I'll make love to you. Can't even imagine what they're dancing the to now. Three different ways in that year to announce that you're horny. Mm-hmm. Boys to men. Mm-hmm. I will just sweet, the sweetest way I'll, I'll treat you right. I'll make That's love right. to you. Like you T- want me to, and I'll hold you tight. Right. Baby, all through the night. TLC is. I had that cassette. It's, it bangs. TLC said, look, I'm horny. We're, <laughs> we're doing this tonight. Look, ladies are telling you how it is. Ladies are doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then Nine Inch Nail says, I hate myself. <laughs> And that's how I hate myself, Trent communicates and I that he's wanna, horny. Uh, get away for a and while by, uh, you know. Maybe uh, maybe we'll fuck, maybe we won't. Mm. The important thing is, I hate me. <laughs> uh, guess which one I most like. Mm. He's just like me for real. For real. But Trent's kind of, you know, plastering himself onto the red screen. And it's very, it's it's sensual. You didn't think so? I think a lot of things okay. he does are sensual. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a it's a pretty straightforward like the album mostly. Mm-hmm. It was really cool in surround uh Robin's guitar solo in the bridge kind of goes around the surround in the on the album it goes back and forth in the stereo Im- stereo image. Uh, it goes all around it's it's his guitar solo goes through the surround speakers and back up front again kind of in a circle. That was a cool effect that uh, I wasn't expecting. Oh, and by the way, the famous uh, closer motif piano at the very end, Mm -hmm. Danny gets to play it. Danny's playing it. At different times, Danny's on the keyboard. Sometimes Trent Clouser's always on the keyboard. Danny gets to play it, and as he's playing those notes... Trent dumps a bunch of water, <laughs> water directly. I think they're doing DX7s again. They don't really give you good shots of it, but no. they're um, they're the same size. And it's not that, it's only five years later. Um, if it, It's kind of, a, if it worked, if it wasn't broke, don't fix it. So it would make sense if they were continuing to use the DX7s. And they obviously didn't give a shit because they do break more keyboards. Um, and dump water on it. It's just like Danny's trying to play this pretty little thing and Trent's like, fuck your keyboard. <laughs> Have an entire bottle of water. Dumps a one liter but, bottle of Ozarka on him. Ozarka. <laughs> but he still finishes it like a pro. Yeah. Even though Trent's... Danny's a professional. Look. Trent's being a bad little boy. Mm-hmm. 
And that, I believe, is that the ending of the set until the encore? Uh, no, it had like, had like a hole. Oh, it had like a hole, the ender? Okay. Yeah, it goes straight into head like a hole. Head like a hole is how many shows end with head like a hole before the encore? Feels like every single one of them. <laughs> Nine million shows. Because, I mean, both the shows we saw had head like a hole as the final pre-encore song. Anyway, uh, head like a hole is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And the the bright white lights of Head Like a Hole, kind of like the red and blue and gave up, they kind of continued that even to this day, mm-hmm. even to the 2022 tour. The bright white lights of Head Like a Hole, I don't know when that started, but that they continued to do that now. Yeah. Um, or on the last tour, at least. So it, it's, for a, pers- for a visual person like me, it's it's neat to have color cues for... Reptile. I mean, it's still green. Yeah, reptile's got to be green. I like the. I don't know if they were doing blue for the day the world went away. On this tour, I don't think they did. I know when we saw them, they did blue, and I was like, "Yes, that's how my mind processes this song." <laughs> it's like they know what's in. It's like they know what's in my head for real. For real. And then had like a whole ends. Thank you. We get five minutes of blinding strobe light. <laughs> Imagine. Every, everyone's losing their mind, uh, cheering for the encore, obviously. But imagine a strobe that doesn't stop. Some people are unaffected by it. And I I, I don't have seizures from it, but it kind of hurts. Yeah. I mean. It's not that pleasant to look at a strobe for five minutes. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I still enjoy myself. A strobe just, light made me pee my pants when I was like five or six. Wait, really? Yeah. What are you talking about? What? I went to like a 4-H haunted house when I was a kid. Like the 4-H club put oh, it on in You told me the, uh, you were scared at a haunted house with the yeah. strobe light? Well, okay. So one of the rooms you went to, it was a strobe light. And I was like a kid. I'd never, I didn't know what a strobe light was. I'd never had a lot of like, or any interaction with one really. And uh, uh-huh. <laughs> when you walk into the room, it's just a bed. And then these girls start crawling out from under the bed and you have a strobe light on. And so they're coming and there's suddenly they're right there. Yeah. The strobe makes it scarier. Was it kind of a slow strobe? Slower? I can't remember, but it scared the shit out of me and I peed my pants and cried. Oh my God. And my dad had to carry me out of there. And so then. Then the best uh, comeback song ever after an encore break, just like you imagined the opening Piano notes played uh, by Clouser. Great way to come back mm. for an encore. The whole thing bangs. I don't know what to say. It's really cool seeing all the guys get to do the big vocal harmony. Just the oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great when I do it, right? Mm-hmm. Iconic, though. Mm-hmm. I have some rehearsal uh, footage oh. of that. I'll play it in our bonus up, but you yeah. can also find it. But yeah, it's on YouTube. I have I watched that long, long ago. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. we'll play it whenever we talk about the rehearsals. I was no, going to do really it this cool. set, but there was just too much to go over, and I was like, I can't record a three hour episode tonight. Yeah, so I'm going to incorporate that. Into we have Trent on bass set. for this song, by the way, which That's is right. always really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Every time Trent played bass, I was like, Hey, is that Trent on bass? <laughs> Love to see Trent on the bass. I think he had a stingray. I like when he's slapping the bass. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah. Don't quote me on that bass, guys. Oh, um, Mike Garson piano solo replaced by another theremin solo, Charlie Clouser, which is, um, it seemed a little improvisational. Mm-hmm. 
but just just cool to see him work that theremin. Hard hard thing to play. Do you think? I mean, the theremin's not a commonly known instrument for a, a lot of people. Like if I was eighteen and at that show, oh yeah, I would not have known what a theremin is. Do you think a lot of the kids in the audience knew what a theremin was? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be that common of knowledge. You'd have to be a a, 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 a Beach Boys fan. <laughs> That's a common misconception. Are you talking about good vibrations? Yeah. Was that not a theremin? It was a ribbon-controlled synth that is kind of uh, like a theremin. But you know the Swarmatron that Trent mm-hmm. and Mary Queen both used? Mm-hmm. It's controlled by a ribbon. Mm-hmm. It's a, it Same a concept? Similar controller okay. on the, the thing that the Beach Boys use for good vibrations. You can get more... Ac- you can hit notes more accurately with fine, a, your finger fine. on a rib. Then you love the score of Ed Wood. I don't know what it was. Ah, uh, yes. Now or that's Mars great... Attacks. Was Mars Attacks theremony too? Probably. I can't remember. Yeah, I feel like Mars Attacks was a tribute to Ed Wood uh, in the best way. But yeah, it's a great score. Um, hard to play. Uh, if, if you want to hear more details about how it was done, listen to our interview with Klauser episode. But it was run through rack mount auto tune, so it would hit the notes more accurately. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's something that would be easy to play on. No, like not in, at a, all. in that kind of setting, especially. You just have with to, the the destructive resner, you know, and yeah, that's why he had to be on his own little island <laughs> away from Trent, so Trent couldn't headbutt him while he was trying yeah. to do theremin. And solos. I was asking, like, how expensive are theremins? Because I could just imagine Resner at one point picking it up and like throwing it. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I was just like, are are there Trent, cheap theremins or are there are they like really expensive? Because I don't know. Um, I imagine it would it probably be a Moog, you know, if mm-hmm. um if it was something Trent got. Yeah. I'm trying to find the old school one. I mean, they make a five Moog makes a five hundred dollar one. There's different levels of theremin. There's the theremini, which is a more recent. Mm. The, the, it's kind of got like the built-in auto-tune. That is one's it o- tiny? It's smaller, and oh. it that one's only four hundo. Um, I think if you want like an original, obviously you, you're going to pay through the nose. Yeah. But anyway. Starfucker's Inc. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. So fast. So very fast, but good energy. Um, again, the, this, this show is a more appropriate context for this song probably than the album <laughs> love the bridge chanting don't you and mm-hmm. we get to see him flip the bird as he says well fuck you mm-hmm. we part. were watching a version from 1.0 tonight where he doesn't do that yeah it almost it almost seems like he was kind of deciding on the fly like what am i gonna because he drops out for a while and Mm -hmm. lets the crowd chant for a while and it takes him a while to come back in Mm -hmm. and he just kind of he kind of almost whispers like don't you yeah (laughs) and then just stick clicks and then they're back in but yeah the i'm sure they had 10 different shots of him doing that and they chose the one where he does the best middle finger (laughs) (laughs) because i'm sure he didn't do it at all the shows yeah Stick Clicks, also a good band name. If anyone's looking for some <laughs> no, band names, I'll help you. Not good. Stick Clicks. Um, it's an all drum. <laughs> it's a drum circle band. Just a drum circle. And... Starfuckers mm-hmm. uh, is followed by... Is that the penultimate? That's the penultimate. Damn. Yeah. Talk about a mood shift going into Hurt. 
mm-hmm. after Starfuckers because everybody's so fucking riled up. So yeah, Hurt. Very beautiful yeah. rendition of it here. There, there have been many iterations of Hurt. Yeah. This this is not a not piano hurt. It's um Robin on his some sort of acoustic electric hybrid guitar. People don't get mad. I, I can't pinpoint it because I don't know much about it, but someone will tell me. It's, it's it sounds cool. And oh, by the way, he Robin is playing something during is it Mark has been made? It looks like a lute. It looks like an electric. Oh yeah, lute. we fought over what it was. <laughs> or Lamer. No, it's Lamer. I I believe it's in Lamer, and a what what was like a either a xylophone or some kind of bell or something is replaced by this lute that Robin does, and it's really really cool. I just forgot to mention that. Mm. And then the Robin harmonies on Hurt, obviously, and Hurt Hurt's played pretty traditionally, and then the. The big dissonant hurt uh, ending. The band the starts to destroy instruments. <laughs> shit gets broken. Walks off stage and Charlie Str- scares Blake every Str- time. <laughs> I didn't say he scared me. Okay. Strobe lights go nuts. Uh-huh. And Charlie jumps off his riser, stares out toward the crowd with like the intensity of a man gone mad. And his <laughs> eyes appear to glow and turn reptilian. Uh-huh, they do. It's the way the strobe is hitting. Them. Yeah, it's not. There's nothing wrong. Like but they, they also look like slits, like a, <laughs> <laughs> like a snake. I'm gonna post a clip of it, but please do yourself a favor. Watch Charlie's eyes at the end. Blake made it me watch will, it like three times. Yeah. It'll, like, I, had to, I had I had to Blake. emphasize it. It weirds me out, and it did. It did back the first time I saw it. I was like, "What the hell?" Um. I thought maybe he had funny contacts in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then it ends. And then it just roll. sort of ends. Yeah. yeah. Credits have already credits kind of start rolling. Like yeah. they're already rolling by the time you see Charlie's eyes. Yeah. But yeah, we and then uh there's there's no after her uh stops, we just get silent credits and there's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't get a credit song or anything like they that. They credit the whole dang crew. So um Yeah. So you might wonder, like, does Trent love this DVD? Does he love this performance? Is this something that he's proud of? Does he like to watch it? Um, I hope he's not as disappointed in it as he is with the Into the Void video. <laughs> well, and deep. I wouldn't say that. Um, so there was a Q&A, and I think this is maybe around with T-Thera-ish. But uh, a fan asked a question and said, All That Could Have Been is one of my favorite NIN projects ever released. Whenever I watch it, I notice your performing style is so unique. Do you ever watch And All That Could Have Been Yourself just for fun? And if you do, what is your favorite thing about it? For fun. (laughs) And is it weird watching yourself perform? And Resner replied, I can't watch it at all. I was sick for most of that tour, and I really don't think it was Nine Inch Nails at its best. I was certainly not at my best. So That's, yeah, that's a sad aspect. But the band, well, I mean... Performance is varied, and I've heard people's stories that... I think they so, varied a lot between like 1.0 and 2.0. Yeah, um, and just show to show, and some he was more sick than others, um, and maybe it was worse on 1.0. But this, the way this DVD is cobbled together, I think is a great presentation. Mm-hmm. Nothing to be ashamed of no. here. It, you know, if there were flubs, they weren't 
they're not here in the DVD, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're, they're showing them at their best. I mean, but there are things like that, I think, in everyone's life, maybe. Um, I know that I don't like to look at, like, pictures of myself in high school. I hate it. I destroyed most of them. I don't want to mm-hmm. go back to that person, and I don't want to think about her. Yeah, uh, if you were at a, a place you're really not proud of. Yeah. In the throes of addiction, withdrawal, Or just whatever, depression, whatever, yeah. You, yeah, I can, it makes sense you wouldn't want to go back to that. Like, why would you watch it for fun? Come yeah. On. Come on, kid. We might talk about that some more in our next bonus up. I don't want to get too into it. But. If I were, now if I were Trent now, I'd watch with Teeth Tour and be like, I was so fucking jacked. <laughs> Man, I look good. <laughs> Man, God, I miss those days. <laughs> How did he find, he would not have time to, to work out like that. That's insane. Not anymore. Not after five children. I think they're going to let him hit the gym as much as he used to. His cardio is carrying those babies I was around. Carrying, fi- carrying five kids. <laughs> yeah. All at once. Okay. Well, to lighten the mood a little bit, um, last episode, I read like a little Q&A uh, thing about Jerome Dillon. Um, this episode. He's tall. <laughs> he's tall. Um, these are all from Kerrang! And uh, I thought I'd read Charlie's. Cool. A little Q&A from Kerrang! real quick. They ask about his outfit. <laughs> they they did. Or his eyes. Okay. No, sorry. Uh, question, where did you first meet Trent? And Clouser said, I was in LA doing a lot of drum and synth programming on Marilyn Manson's first record, which brought me into his world. Right from the beginning, I was extremely impressed by the amount of care the guy puts into stuff. He's never one to rubber stamp something and say it's good enough. I know that contributes to the slowness of our operation, but it's good in the long run because the fans know that they're getting something that's been sweated over. Hmm. Did you ever think the fragile would never get finished? (laughs) (laughs) And Charlie said, I thought we could see an end in sight and we had enough material to fill one disc. But Trent's quality control being what it is resulted in additional months fleshing it out to two discs. It didn't start to seem like a long time until the very last few months. (laughs) How different is this tour to the last one? We're all a little bit older and a little calmer, at least in terms of before and after show activities. This may change as the months go on, because I think the way we were behaving at the end of the last tour was a result of it being so long. Yeah. <laughs> they lost their damn minds. Exactly. Hopefully we won't get bored out of our skulls and go quite so crazy and indulge in such hazardous behavior. But on stage, we're starting off with as much carnage as we had at the height of the last tour in terms of smash equipment, band members flying into the audience, <laughs> and that kind of hockey game violence. I'm very glad to see that it's every bit as violent and chaotic. Uh, so that is Charlie's Q&A from Kerrang. Nice. Um, do you want to go ahead and rate this? Yeah. And as we talked about before, we'll we'll rate each piece and then maybe give Halo 17 overall a final rating at the mm-hmm. end and in, in out of nine inches i'm gonna give the dvd 10 inches whoa because i mean i i was thinking is there anything i dislike about this uh concert movie no i couldn't really think of anything and it gets that extra inch for just being very important to my uh, teenage development <laughs> and my love for the band. It was it was formative uh, toward the height of my obsession with the band. 
as I spoke about, one of the first things I got super excited for anticipating and um, super stoked to watch it and loved revisiting it after a really long time not seeing it. Hmm. So got to give it to 10. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how to how to rate this one. Um, there's nothing technically wrong with it, and I enjoyed watching it, and I loved the lights, and I loved the videos. I guess the thing is I wasn't there, so that's kind of the bummer. Um, although I do think that the way it's filmed, they really do try to put the the audience there as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. The the films that I truly, truly love and come back to a lot, uh, I mean, it's going to be Stop Making Sense, and that's totally different, right? As you said, Rob was like, we didn't want some other person putting their stamp stamp on on this right so jonathan demi stop making sense is like pristine right like Mm -hmm. it's 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 filmed very precisely it's it's, It's it's very choreographed it's it's on film and that makes a big visual difference as opposed to mini (laughs) dv it's it's much more professional it's much more choreographed it's meant to look like one performance no one's trying to uh it's Although not, it's also multiple nights, it's to multiple be fair. nights, yeah. But at the same place, though, mm-hmm. that is one of my favorites. I go to it. I just think it's amazing. We recently watched One Hundred and One, which is uh-huh. very different. That's a Pennebaker documentary. And by the way, I looked this guy up. Well, I knew who he was before. Like I'm not. I just want to know how old he was because I was like, he was making Bob Dylan movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was 64 years old when Dear he made One Hundred and One. Take on the road. In the bus, but you know what I was thinking is like we're always like like I'm I'm forty and I'm exhausted all the time. Yeah, but it's because our jobs are soul taking. Well, are sedentary (laughs) as well. Not that well, kind of. But we're also just at jobs that we don't necessarily are passionate about per se. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I. all like I'll yeah. If I'm passionate about something I'm doing, I'll like you're passionate about like. Your editing work, like you, audio, yeah, yeah. For for that and for music, I'll go. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. But at any length, I don't. I don't get tired easily doing that stuff. Yeah. But if it's, you know, something stupid. But it's also something like, yeah, he was on the road with them maybe for three months and then got to go home and edit this. You know what I mean? Like it's not. <sighs> yeah. It's not the same. It's not like he's working forty plus hours a week at a job. He's just like eh about you know just doing it to make. He gets to follow like his creative dreams. So I was like, oh, I could probably be sixty four years old and doing something like that if it's something and following Depeche. No problem. No problem. Yeah, you'd be as excited as those teenagers exactly. following Depeche Mode around. <laughs> but uh, that one's very different because it does follow the fans, right? Yeah, and we get some of their perspective too, right? It's it's a little it's bit a different. A lot of their perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um. And we also get to to bond with fans in that movie, so they're they're very different. It's not a, not a typical concert. It's it's barely a concert movie at all. It's more like a rockumentary with a lot of concert footage. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool though, but this is just basically a straight up performance. Yep. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's extremely entertaining. I, I just wish I could have been there. Yeah. But there's to me, there's nothing about it. Like, I don't think it's something that I would come back and watch again and again and again and again. Like, I did stop making sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Every, everybody has has their things that they want to watch or listen to over and over. And this is not everyone's favorite, obviously. But technically, there's nothing that I can think I dislike no. about it. So I can't, like, give it anything other than... Yeah, but I mean, I if, it doesn't, if it doesn't move you, then that... That means something that can affect a rating. Yeah. Um, so I mean, give it whatever rating you want. But I see, I watch Closure all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. 
But see, I like I like to see the backstage footage, and I like to see the band just yeah. kind of hanging out, and I like to. You don't really you see the fans sometimes, but since it's mostly from their perspective, like you you really only see them whenever Trent goes out to interact with them. Yeah, um, this I watched when this came out. I watched it a bunch. Yeah, um, I never so owned it, just, it. It stuck with me. I never owned it. Um, I think I I watched it one other time before this. So I think I'm going to give this eight inches. Okay. Because you're right. It didn't. Well, I think it's great. It's not something that moved me like. Yeah, um, we we had different experiences at yeah. different points in our lives. Definitely. It is too important to me to not give that extra inch, you know. Your extra inch makes mine a nine, though, technically. <laughs> you can't have my extra inch. I'm not do- I'm not donating it to you. It's mine. I know people are going to hate me and yell at me for that. No. And- I mean, a lot of people, I've heard from a bunch of people who, who prefer um, Beside You in Time. Oh, there. yeah. I, and I, I understand the reason. Oh, for that. and one of our patrons asked me if there's something I've never seen before. Um, and I've never seen Beside You in Time. So. Okay, I guess it's time for truth. I guess it's truth time. Neither have I. <laughs> oh, you have it? No. For real? I never owned it. Yeah. Uh, well, I bought we, it recently, uh, yeah. but we haven't watched it. And right. I was like, well, we just were kind watch of waiting. it during that era. This is one of the things. I mean. I didn't but, know that you had never watched it. Okay. Between the two of us, we have listened to or watched almost every Nine Inch Nails thing ever. But there mm. are a few exceptions to that that we'll get to. And I'm kind of waiting for us to get there in the podcast now so it can be kind of fresh. Uh, and this is one of those. And that so, way we'll get like a really fresh perspective from us too because we've never yeah, seen it before. It, it, so not everything is just going to be this nostalgic, like it's been with me forever and mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but I am very excited to see it because totally new and it's, you know, high def and I've heard their performances are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Okay. Eight and a 10 and averaging to nine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, next episode's coming up. We're going to do a bonus for our patrons. Um, We're going to be talking about the Bahama rehearsals. That's right. The rehearsals were in the Bahamas. We're going to call this bonus episode Rehearsals in Paradise. (laughs) Uh, Nine Inch Nails Goes Caribbean. That's right. And then we're also going to talk about the Chicago, uh, the CRC sessions, the Chicago Recording Company sessions that inspired Mm. Still. Because our next episode on the main feed will be part three of Halo 17, where we'll talk about Still. Still. Which, spoiler alert, my favorite of the three. The components yeah. that make up Halo I think 17. it may be everyone's favorite. Yeah. Still is a fan fave. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, So we're going on a trip. Should mm-hmm. we say that? Yeah. It throws off our podcasting schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we are probably giving you something special, a special surprise mm-hmm. in the main feed. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the still. and... No, after that will be the bonus, and then yeah, be still. That, that's yeah. what I meant. That's what yeah. I meant. Um, yes, right. We're going to uh, Chicago. We're going to visit some friends there, uh, and by those friends, I mean uh, Martin Gore and Dave Gone. Um, that's right. We're seeing Depeche Mode. It'll be amazing. So, looking forward to seeing some friends there and meeting new friends there. Official nailed meetup two That's right. So. Looking forward to it. It'll be fun. 
And Blake? Yes. How can our listeners get this uh, bonus material? We have 40-ish bonus episodes. Now you can listen to by going to patreon.com slash nailed pod. If you subscribe, you not only get those, you get access to our listener discord. You get merch store discounts, uh, merch giveaways monthly, and other fringe benefits. So sign up for the Patreon. Uh, it helps us keep making the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, nailedpod.com has links to all of our stuff. And please, on your podcast app of choice, subscribe, rate, and review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, please. There's other ways to support us yeah. other than... If you got no money, yeah. write a review or give a five star. That helps us a lot. Yeah, thank you. And thanks if you've already done so, because we've got so many very nice glowing reviews that are very kind and lift my spirits and give me the the will to want to keep doing this. <laughs> That's true. All the nice comments really just lift me up. Whenever I, you're having a bad day, they're yeah, good to go to. I mean, it's just like really can turn a bad day around. Yeah. So I used to have a an email folder at work that I called my bad day folder. And I would go, I, I would just keep emails where people were nice to me in Aww. there. So I would go <laughs> Like coworkers? <laughs> yeah. Or people who were praising me or Aww. thanking me for something. Um, so if I was having a bad day, I'd go, I'll go out there and read it. I'm going to keep an archive of nice comments about the podcast. Yeah. And the, well, I mean, we have the, yeah, we have the email. Anyway, I highly recommend a bad day folder if you're having a bad day folder or sure. a bad day. Uh, if you're having a bad day, create a little, a little folder, maybe. Maybe a little album on your phone, something where you put your favorite funny memes, something that will cheer you up. You can send us your thoughts uh, at nailedpod at gmail.com and maybe we'll put you in our bad day folder. <laughs> or, you know, if you want, we can read your thoughts on the fragile era on right. an upcoming episode. Yeah. So send us thoughts on, on the fragile, mm-hmm. et cetera, and, and let us know if it's okay to read on the air yeah sometimes we don't want to uh talk we like to hear other opinions and thoughts right right Mm -hmm. so i think that's everything yeah and uh if you're going to depression mode next week look for us we'll be there we'll see you in chicago april 4th through the 6th (laughs) at least meet us by the bean See you by the bean. (laughs) That's what everyone in Chicago says. They're like, I'll see you by the bean. That's the new sign off. (laughs) We're not, instead of saying, didn't that make you feel better? It's going to be, thanks for listening to Nailed. See you by the bean. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Didn't that make you feel better?